Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Left on Red. We're back to winning ways today with a fairly convincing 2-0 win over Newcastle. So the build-up to this match was unusually exciting for a home for a home fixture. Yeah, so I suppose it was just because everyone was wanted the negativity to go for a bit. Well, I was talking about quite literally the Friday night I'd had and the Saturday uh, morning was, uh, you know, a little bit more exciting than just go to sleep, wake up, and go to the Arsenal. Yeah. So my dad's two best mates, two of his best mates, one from Devon, one who flew flew over from Prague, came to London just for the weekend like some sort of reunion thing and they were drinking for like 12 hours on Friday from like 2pm to 2am so I've joined them after after work and yeah I went to bed maybe 5 so bad I've, idea I've, with the 12.30 12 12 kick kickoff. off yeah I know it wasn't ideal so but you know cool. in the moment you don't really think about it I know but I mean, an athlete like you just shouldn't be doing that well, you've you got know, commitments my, my, athlete, my athlete days are well beyond yeah. time anyhow it was a lot of fun and I woke up to sort of my dad and his mates lounging around, whimpering around, trying to regain some sort of yeah. vitalization. So that was quite hilarious. There's a really funny picture going around, which I won't discuss in too much depth, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise my dad would be best pleased with me. Um, that was quite funny. And it turned out that he'd been so defeated by the previous night that he, he couldn't make it. He physically couldn't get himself to, to walk to the Emirates. He's missed the, gra- he's missed the game. The greatest what? game ever in Arlington, I'm joking. What a nutcase. Yeah, I know, so I've taken... This take, is why I don't drink, mate. This is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Anyhow, I've taken Uncle Lee instead, and funny enough, 10 minutes in, he texts his brother-in-law, who lives in Ireland, but has a red membership at the Emirates, just see by chance if he's in the stadium. He's about five blocks to the left of us. Whoa. So, Uncle Lee's brother-in-law, Jerry, you know, from Ireland, he's come over especially he's for this game. It's his first game back from COVID, so, you know, we met him at half-time, that was quite nice. Yeah. And generally, in terms of atmosphere, I thought that. Yeah, it was actually. I thought the second half was quite good in the North Bank. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was pretty loud. First half was quite quiet, but I think that was normal. Twelve thirty. Yeah, but also I think probably more to do with how the game was going. The, the it was slow tempo. Yeah, yeah, it was. We were quite. It was quite pedestrian-like for a bit. Yeah, and I mean, we were doing everything. It, it a bit suited too slow. me because I was. I, I'm running on little sleep, and it was quite nice just to not have to, <laughs> yeah, not have to yeah, focus yeah. on really in, intense things going yeah. on. But I did think uh, at half time, I thought it was going to be another one of those stressful, stressful second halves. But well, well I, yeah, well, yeah, I agree, and I was stressing because it kind of reminded me the Abamyang sitter kind of reminded me of the mischart the Abamyang yeah. sitters against Watford. Yeah. You think this could cost us? You just hope yeah, it doesn't because yeah. it'd be ridiculous because we so clearly should be winning this game with comfort type thing. Overall, it was quite a nice, quite a nice lunchtime. Yeah, it was not too bad. I, Arteta was properly getting into the crowd. I don't know whether you second saw half, him. Yeah, second yeah, half. yeah, I loved it. No, it's really. And good. then Gabrielle as well. When uh, when the Newcastle fans were singing quite loudly at the end of the game, Gabrielle went over to the clock end and was like trying to rile them up. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed um, the chant. Your shit. No, no. What was it? You're rich and you're still fucking yeah, shit or something yeah. like that. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. But I think the Newcastle fans actually started it. I think they were singing, "We're rich and we're still fucking shit." And then oh, we maybe maybe I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past them. No. 
They're quite funny with their little chants. They're yeah, they were good Newcastle fans, I agree. For a 12.30 game in London, the amount that were there... They must have come down last night. Well, but even still, like... Yeah, yeah. it's impressive, yeah. So impressive. Newcastle away would be a wicked weekend. Oh, I'm not Ooh. looking forward to it. Wait, <laughs> it's am. in April or something. Oh, that means I'm not coming. That's a shame. Oh. Oh, I yeah, when, when are you going away? Beginning of the March, guys. So from beginning of the March, just expect some slightly different content... Some lower quality of well, of don't sound. worry, don't worry. I'm getting it, getting it patterned. Um, gonna get a microphone for Christmas, maybe. Oh, Treat yourself to a microphone. That's gonna be a whole new technological realm, realm that we have to discover. <laughs> but in terms of content, we probably will bring you some different styles of podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, hopefully, and and I also think because I'm quite wary of sometimes the match day experience for these home games is just a bit like it's a bit regular, repetitive. Yeah, yeah. but when you're not there for the home games and I'll be there at the home games like we'll both have really different match day experiences and we'll the contrast have, will yeah, make we'll it have someone exciting. in the crowd and someone watching in a bar and wherever you're going yeah sitting in a bar in Zambia there must be some Arsenal bars up there there's got to be some Arsenal bars we already know the Seychelles Gooners follow us oh yeah the Seychelles thank you to everyone listening to the Seychelles we love you yeah shout out the Seychelles who, who else have we got are there and got, some in, got, in Iceland and Finland. so And some in the Democratic Republic of Congo. So keep it oh, up, yeah. guys. We appreciate it. Yeah. If any of you are out there, we, we do see you. We, we enjoy it. If I happen to be passing through your country in 2022, let's meet up. Let's talk about the Arsenal. Be nice. Yeah, if you're from one of the countries that Harry's mentioned, give, Zambia, give us a Seychelles, message. Zambia, Seychelles, or anywhere in Southeast Asia, I'll be passing through there as well. And we'll, we'll send Harry out to meet you. So the tactical breakdown this week will somewhat reflect the slow tempo of the first half. Yeah. Because I was a little bit groggy. But also, in honesty, until the second half... Yeah, when have you picked up much tactically? I, I, I did. I mean, with, to be honest, with Arsenal, it was it was we, we went back to our 4-2-3-1 system where the left winger cuts inside to play left number eight and the left back goes left wing. And then yeah. and the number 10 goes into the right half space and then Saka on the right wing holds the space. And then actually, we, we so we... We built into a two-three-five when we were building out from the back or pending their, their half rather than building with three centre-backs. So Tomiyasu was actually playing in midfield of Lakonga on yeah. either side of Partey, which gave us some width and created some nice angles for Odegaard and Smith-Rowe to link up from who were in, in the pockets when we were attacking. So some little changes, but nothing we haven't already gone over. So the Newcastle first half tactical setup was also... Really simple to analyse as well. So anyway, let, let's finish with with, with Arsenal. So we've gone, we've done most of it. I mean, we can talk about some moments as well because that'd be exciting. Yeah. But you know, it was a four two three one, a two three five, like I've just mentioned when we were building out and penned in their half, and it was a four four two press with Odegaard and Bamiang mm-hmm. up top. It was you know it wasn't anything too dissimilar. You know, slight tweak from the last four five games. I'm quite happy we've done it because I think the Liverpool match exposed the we fact that we started to get found out a little yeah, bit in that system because you know you'd seen Leicester away Villa at home but that yeah. system we were playing when teams knew how to tactically break it down it was very vulnerable yeah. but it did have its benefits as well and it's good to have it in the bank I think so I felt just a quick thing on the first half I found it quite interesting that quite a lot of the players seemed really reluctant to give Aubameyang the ball with his back to goal and he, you know, he's a ma- he's he can't really play with his back to goal. But in those type of games, those are exactly the games where you need someone. Well, you need someone with the back to goal. And you're not really he's not because really they were. I mean, space we'll, with I mean, we'll go into Newcastle's 
tactical setup in the first half or throughout the match really in a moment but whenever you play against any team in any system that have really rigid lines yeah. and there are very tight spaces you need technical yeah. players in there to link the play up and I thought Ogar was trying I thought Ben White drove out magnificently yeah. in the first half and, and I think there were, it was definitely improved in the second half and it wasn't a case of oh I wish Lacazette was on the pitch I mean I always do but in the first half, I really thought, oh, actually, we're really, really missing I think Lacazette it was the, the bravery and the tempo and the intensity. Yeah, it just there were a few little tweaks. Because we tactically, uh, Mikel actually said after the game, he tweaked a few things. He probably did, but it wasn't blatantly different between two no, halves. It wasn't apart like from a the difference tempo. in formation. It yeah. might have been a difference in instructions yeah. or what have or you. Or patterns yeah. within that formation. I mean, maybe that, that that's highlighted best by Nuno Tavares and his, his, his difference in performance oh my between God. the two halves. Game of two halves. Epitomises a game of two halves. I found myself like actually jumping out of my chair to scream at him for some of those shots in the first half. Because in the second half, he was combining one twos, chops, crosses, three balls, and composed. And composed. He knew when to go quick and knew when to go slow. First half's like a moped, just just shanking it as well. And first time shanks from thirty yards. Yeah, that was stressful. And like a lot of shots on his right foot as well. I just thought, like, what, like, what, 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 why, why, please? It it didn't make sense. Yeah. But before we go on to Newcastle, I just had a few moments I wanted to bring up. So the Ramsdale save was excellent. I do think he should have saved it, though. It wasn't in the top bins, but yeah. it still was, you know, a nice save. Yeah. I thought, and it was a, actually a, quite a pivotal moment in the game. And that's when yeah. you need your goalkeepers to be as good as he has been. Yeah. You know, if that's if that goes in, the game changes completely. I thought... We mentioned Ben White was really good at progressing the ball. His anticipation was also excellent. Newcastle were very physical um, very aggressive, wanted to leave a foot in at all yeah. times. And Gabriel and Ben White and dealt they with that did really it fantastically. Well, the pair of them. Wilson had his hands all over both of them. At yeah, all yeah. Times. And Joe Linton on, on on Ben White, and Ben White was just nicking in front. Yeah. He was really clever in how he. Yeah, they how he they, got they in do. They're both very good at adapting to the way that they need to play the game. Yeah, and then there was a lovely ball from Laconga to Saka in the first oh. half, sprayed with a bit of fade. Really I really thought if Saka goal. wrapped his left foot on that, would yeah. be a beautiful goal. And I also obviously wanted to mention the miss because we should have gone into half-time at 1-0 up. I don't know how you can... If, if, if you whacked it and somebody blocked it on the line, yeah, that's how you could miss that. But, but he's, he's, like, just, he, I don't he's know actually missed the target. I it's, also, it's to be impossible. fair, I also think Smith Rowe should have scored. The header? With that header. Head yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head, it, to head, head it down. down. It's what we talked about with Mane last week. I know. Head it, it's where just head it down. And yeah. also, like, it was... a. Pretty much an open goal. I mean, it wasn't really an open goal. Yeah. But if he just heads it down towards that far corner, yeah. you can just skid off. Yeah. He headed it at a nice height, which meant that Dubravka, who was always mm. going to be sprawling across, yeah. could have got any body part. No, there. I agree. And actually, back on the run that Saka made for the Lokonga pass, I thought he was making good runs all the time. And actually, I wanted to make a comparison between this match and Burnley away, which we went to. Mm. So, Saka... Saka kept on doing this move, which actually resulted in, in, in his goal. He kept on doing this thing from going from the right wing and running across the yeah. pitch into the left side of, of the box to try and create an overload. And I think because Newcastle played a 4-4-2 and it was rigid, and that's what Burnley did as well. I remember yeah. Burnley, there were some random rotations that we did that seemed a bit odd with Saka and Smith-Rowe and Odegaard and Aubameyang yeah. even sometimes. I think it's literally just to try and break the lines and the angles yeah. of, of, and I think of the that block. was definitely more prominent in the second half that yeah he did it a couple a, of times in the first half yeah, but second half he was going over an instruction because he was coming straight over and that might have been and what, that was what where the test. space was was on the left and when we had that overload of Tavares, Smithrow and Saka on that side all linking up and which they did for the goal it was just 
It worked really it worked well. Really well. Yeah. And I really like. I don't know whether you saw, but Fabregas tweeted. He, he was like tweeting throughout oh, sure. the game, and he tweet. He just tweeted, "What a goal!" Yeah. With like loads of fire emojis. I like. It's, that was that. a really Arsenal goal, traditional Arsenal yeah, goal. One proper. touch, quick movement, triangles in beyond the fence. And there were a couple of times in the first half where we did that on the left hand side as well. Yeah. Let's dive into Newcastle's first half tactics. It's not going to take long. Four four two, low block, counter. Eddie Howe and his technical staff had told them to, to go in, hurt us, be really aggressive, leave feet in, fly elbows, yeah. push people, try and aggravate the crowd, try and create some sort of animosity. They also tried to play balls, sort of whipped high balls over our fullbacks for the two strikers to split and run in beyond, or also Maximan to do that, just because of the physicality and pace they had. That was, that was their only real thought I just, process. I, just, I don't really understand that. Like, they've clearly been told to try and be really physical with us. But the fact that Eddie Howe then came out after the game and said, oh, I don't want to create any controversy, but I thought 50-50 decisions went against oh, it's us. Just, it's just been a wind-up like, match. Kraft, I don't know whether you saw, down the left-hand side, when Tavares beat him for him. pace, yeah. and then that would have been a yellow anyway. Yeah. And then Tavares beat him again, and he, like, elbowed him yeah. in, the shoulder, like, yeah. in the head. No, or Ed, in his, like, Eddie Howe's just been a wind-up match, and he's just trying to create some sort of facade there. It's I know, but it, just, it was... And also... Dubravka could have quite easily received about four yellows for his time wasting. <laughs> yeah, no, that was ridiculous. Also in the first half, it was a bit weird. Sometimes Ryan Fraser would come in, the right midfield would come inside the pitch and they'd try and pen Arsenal yeah. and, and pen us into the right side, which they did from time to time in the first half. And that may have been one of the reasons why we lacked tempo and intensity and perhaps failed to play in between the lines. So I thought Odegaard got in good positions sometimes in the first half, but... He had a lot more space in the yeah. pockets in the second half. Also, just to stick it out there, Matt Ritchie is just really not a left-back, is he? No. So let's move on to the second half, where no- nothing really changed for us. Actually, well, I'll tell a lie. When Saka got injured after scoring, scoring the goal, he put Martinelli on, and it was really clever because he knew Newcastle had to come out and that yeah. leave counter-attacking space in beyond. Yeah. And Martinelli as a right winger with long balls over the top on the counter-attack-esque type moves, which there are a lot of, yeah. is really dangerous because he's electric, he's, ele- he's elastic. He yeah. latches onto things and snatches his shots really quickly. Yeah, and he's got he's got really brilliant acceleration as well. And really brilliant instincts, which we saw from yeah. the guy. I mean, it was a beautiful first-time finish, really oh, difficult finish. But that's what so he excels at. Yeah. Those moments of spontaneity where you have to create something out of nothing is where yeah, Marcelli shines. And also when you just have that split second to think about it. Yeah, when Marcelli has a bit more time and space, yeah. it's all structured, that's where he struggles a bit. But yeah. in those moments, as he showed today, he can be brilliant. But generally for Arsenal nothing much changed like Azette came on tried to do some link up play it was okay but Newcastle after going 2-0 down they ripped it all up and they went to a, a five back system yeah. which you know I love analysing he loves it, it, you know I sort of set up a little bit oh what's going on here Hello. you know I don't I wouldn't ever set a team up in a five back but I love analysing them because they're, yeah, they're yeah. nuts so they, they put Ryan Fraser left wing back and they put yeah. Murphy right wing back, yeah. and they had three centre backs. So that was strange having a, a right winger play left wing back. And then what it was was you had Wilson up top, yeah. and then you had four players. You had Shelby, Willock, Al, is it Almiron? Almiron, and Saint Maximan. So at times it was a five-three-two, and you had Shelby as the six, Willock as the left eight, yeah. Almiron as the right eight, and then Saint Maximan and Wilson up top together yeah. and then at times it, you just had Willock and Shelby as, as a double pivot Willock on the yeah. left Shelby on the and right then Joe and Vinson then was always just sort of that number 10-ish really. he, no he'd come off 
at oh, that he'd point, come off yeah, that. yeah. Right. And so at that point, if they played a double pivot and it was a five-two-three rather than a five-three-two, you'd have Shelby and Willock in there, and then you'd have Almiron as sort of the right number ten and some Maxman as the left number yeah. ten, and then some more of the Chelsea system, mm-hmm. and then Wilson down the middle. And I think that was designed to create really unpredictable counter-attacks yeah. and just people sprinting into areas of the pitch which that you wouldn't really... Exactly, which you wouldn't really... Because sometimes St. Maximan was deep, sometimes Willock was playing up front, sometimes yeah. Almiron was in central midfield, sometimes he was up front. In, overloaded in the centre quite a bit. Yeah, so it's a really unique sort of five-at-the-back system, which is really flexible. It just basically depends on Almiron playing in midfield or in attack. Yeah, You know, they did create some sort of... I wouldn't say a threat, but it was unpredictable in the way yeah, they attacked. Yeah. And I think that's that's a possible option for Newcastle moving forward. So this week I'm asking Lol the player ratings. We're going to do top three Arsenal players, worst Arsenal player, best opposition player, maybe the ref, maybe the manager. All right. Go on then. Take it away. Okay, so my top three. Laconga. I thought was very good all game. Saka, I thought was good all game. And I put Odegaard in there. Okay. Right, I would have gone for Ben White, Tomiyasu and Saka. I thought Odegaard had a fantastic second half. I thought Lukonga played some phenomenal passes. Yeah. But he's just not in the top three because of a few misplaced passes. But besides that, he was really good. I thought you could give Ramsdale a mention, but I don't think he was outrageously Um, good today. Smith-Rowe wasn't really involved that no. much. No. Tavares, if he played in the first half like he did in the second half, he would have probably got man of the match. Yeah. Partey, not. He was a bit lacklustre today. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say those three. And then my worst Arsenal player, probably Partey, to be honest. Not Aubameyang. Because at least Partey was still yeah, you know, actually, playing yeah, okay. acute yeah, passes Aubameyang. and linking the yeah, play up. Just... Aubameyang did fuck all, actually. And missed an open goal. Yeah, he did do that, yeah. Yeah, that is poor. I mean, Partey, would, by his stance, was poor, but he was still important yeah. in the build-up and stuff like that. And then Newcastle's best player, St. Maximan, as it always, 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 always is. is. Yeah. He's ridiculous. What I was speaking to my dad at half-time, what would be very funny is if nothing happened in the January transfer window in terms of them signing players and then they just lost St. Maximan. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> what do, you mean? Oh, do you reckon they'll go down? Well, I've not got any evidence to suggest that they won't at the moment. Just can splash... Like two hundred million pounds or something, some players in January. No, then. but then even then, like, takes time to gel. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fucking funny if they were in the championship. So mate. funny. And then what were the other ones? Ref? Uh, no, nah, nothing much to talk about. No, nah, he then, actually de- dealt with Newcastle's shit really quite yeah. well. And then Mikel, I'd give a seven. Yeah, that I was agree. good. What what he said at half time must have worked because we came out. Yeah, firing. I liked his post match interview. He said all the right yeah. things. He, he speaks very well. I like watching him yeah, speak. standard for him. Yeah. In this week's instalment of the Whatever Happened To section of the podcast... We're running, we're running a bit low now. No, no, no. I think you guys quite like this one. All right. So, Wenger yeah. has... I hate the way you pronounce his name. What do you want me to say? Wenger. No, it's Wenger. No, but that's not how you pronounce no, it. No, it is. Wenger. The, it's a W. Yeah, but it's French. No, French of Wenger. No, I'll send Wenger. No, he's not German. All right. Actually, he is from the region of France, Strasbourg, isn't he? Yeah. Which in the his name French is German War came became French from yeah, Germany. His name is Wenger. Actually, you look back in history and you might be right. His name is Wenger. But I think if it's from any other era, not era, era, era. of France, yeah. it would be Wenger. Maybe. 
because he's from that French-German overlap. Anyhow, Wenger has a legacy of finding un- unearthed gems and signing them for Arsenal at a young age, stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought in light of that, we would talk about Rio Miachi. One of the best unearthed gems he's ever signed. He was just incredible. I mean, the things that guy could do with football, I just couldn't comprehend. So... He was compared to Ronaldinho throughout his youth. Yeah. And this led him to having the nickname... Could you guess? Riodinho? Yeah, he got it spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So, he was a promising youngster. There was hype around him across Europe. I think clubs like Feyenoord and Ajax and AZ Alkmaar in Holland were quite interested yeah. in him. He did um, play for Feyenoord for a bit, didn't he? He went on loan to Feyenoord once right. he signed with us. I think two or three times even. So, he was born into a sort of sporting family... His father was a former basketball player and coach. His younger brother, Tsuyoshi, was also a professional footballer. But yeah, he, he caught the eye of Feyenoord and Ajax, etc. And he was playing for his All Japan High School Soccer Tournament in 2010. And it was televised. I think the final was televised. I think they might have lost the final, but you right. know, he caught the eye so well on, on television that Wenger invited him for a trial of course, in the summer. Of course, Arsene was watching Arsene loves a little trial story, doesn't he? Oh, mate. Of course he was watching the Japanese high yeah, school so cup we've final. Got, we've got, I mean, Wenger did manage in Japan for, for years, though, didn't he? Oh, yeah, so true. he has that link. I've got a quote from Arsene. He says, Miyachi, his raw ability, which attracted many clubs around the world, I look forward to helping him fulfil his potential here. Of course, this, this potential was never fulfilled. Well, I, I seem to remember him going on loan about 15 times. He, did. I think he went no, to he, Wigan, he, didn't he? He went to Wigan, where the season, the season which they won the FA Cup and got relegated. Yeah. The year before that, he was at Bolton. They got relegated. Yeah. He's been on loan to Feyenoord, I think, twice. And Did he ever score for Arsenal? I'm not sure. I think he might have scored in the League Cup against Shrewsbury. Oh, yeah. He was so yeah. quick. That's all I remember about him. Just pacing. Like, he just ran. Rapid, yeah. So he made a few League Cup appearances, made a few Champions League group stage appearances... At one point, I think in 2014, he said he wanted to knuckle down and really make London his home. And then we sent him on loan again. He was cursed with injuries throughout his time at Arsenal. Yeah. And it never really worked out for him, which is a shame because the hype surrounding a young, a young player from overseas that is compared to Ronaldinho is, yeah. is exciting. We've got a little bit of it right now in Martinelli, in my opinion. Where yeah. I, I, I suppose it's probably heightened when they're Japanese as well because... So it's so rare that you get true, that true. level of quality in yeah, football from Japan. Whereas, like with Brazilian kids, do you reckon it might have been time? that that sort of signing is a, is an economical signing? Because I remember us signing Ji Sung, not Ji Sung Park. Sorry, I forgot G- his name. Uh, it was Park. Ji Young Park. Ji Young Park in 2011 when we signed like nine signings. Yeah, he scored against Bolton. Yeah, and do you reckon maybe not him, but maybe Miyachi Young, Japanese player? A strategic move from from Arsenal to try and bring know. in fans from from that neck of the woods and stuff like that. I don't know. It, it it must have been something to do with his time in Japan because he he may have known about qualities and that they might have possessed and the way that that league worked and what have you that he could bring into Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the, the primary concern would have been I want a really good player. At my yeah, club. yeah. But you just do get benefits of yeah. signing. But what's he what's he places. doing now? Because he's He's he's, he's, young, he's just come he? back from like a two year knee injury. He's twenty eight, and he is called the comeback kid now. He plays oh, okay. for St Pauli, which I'm not sure where they're from. Sounds Brazilian to Brazil, me. Brazil, yeah. Some some something like that. But 
he's he's cracking on with his career and he's trying to regenerate it but it's a shame it didn't work for us let's get him back I think we should sign him just for band on loan in Sam January Miachi, Wilshire let's get the, get the whole back. band back together yeah. yeah maybe get a bit of Kim Kallstrom in there Nazri he's looking good did you see oh, him yeah, picture of him? did you see him in the charity <laughs> yeah, game yeah for Marseille he's massive yeah it's like an umpa but he only he only retired about I know six months ago yeah I know he's really 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 bad he's let he's had, he's had, he's had a fun summer yeah I think so Right, so to round off today's episode, instead of there being the PL Roundup, because it's actually, it's 4.27 on Saturday as we speak, so Liverpool are 4-0 up, Villa are beating Palace, and Norwich and Wolves are drawing 0-0, so don't really want to do a PL Roundup for them, because half the games haven't happened anyway. So, got some questions for you today, Harold, in this week's quiz. I think I'm 2-1 up, aren't I? Yeah, you're 2-1 up, sorry, I've done it the wrong way. Right. So, first question. Can you name me our goal scorers from the 7-3 <laughs> victory against Newcastle? I think Walcott scored four. And I'm going to struggle with the rest. Let me guess. So I'm going to put Giroud. 2013. Ramsey. Yeah. Pretty sure I got that wrong, but at least I know the Walcott. All right. Before Mkhitaryan... Who was the last player we signed from Manchester United? That's such a good question. Right. Did we sign anyone from United before Danny Well? I mean, after Danny Welbeck? Uh, it's going it's to have to go down as Welbeck. Okay, and last question. What was the last season that we took six points of Man United? <laughs> See, I don't expect you to get this. I just wanted to put it in there because it's pretty mad. Right, so... I know we didn't win away at Old Trafford before last season since 2006. And then we beat United at home at the Emirates where Honoré scored that header 2006-2007. It's whether the United away win was 2005-2006 or 2006-2007. I think it might be 2006-2007 because I think we beat them away. I think Adebayor scored. might be wrong, but I remember seeing a picture of him in, in that white shirt and I don't think that was a hybrid era shirt. Okay. So I'm going to just go 2006-2007 season. Right. So, goal scorers from the 7-3? Well, Walcott scored four. He scored three. Did he? Okay, well, I've got that wrong already. Just for fun then, Giroud? Yeah. Ramsey? Nope. Cavola? No. Cool. Uh, Walcott, Giroud, Ox and Poldy. Yeah, I was never going to get that. For Mkhitaryan, last player we signed from Man United? Welbeck? Bang on. And the, I think before Welbeck, it was then Mikel Silvestro. Oh yeah, what player. I was hoping that before Mkhitaryan, it was Silvestro. I just forgot about Welbeck. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And the last time we took six points off United? Oh, six or seven? That is really, really top from you. Yeah, I literally, this is like how nerdy I am. I've used a football kit. Yeah, got, yeah. I know we didn't yeah. wear that when we played at Highbury. Yeah. So that makes it four, four, four. all. Yeah. You've done well there. Yeah, I'm quite. So they were quite. That. They were. They were. Hard I think I got the hard. I think well. I got the harder questions because yeah, think yeah. More fans would have probably got the the Newcastle, yeah, the Newcastle one. one. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's instalment of the Left on Red podcast. Slightly shorter episode because of the PL roundup, but hopefully we get it out to you nice and early to make up for a slightly later delivery of the previous 
episode and we're going to have some great content for you coming up regarding the old Trafford trip. We're both going down. I'm yeah. going down for a few days. We're going to record we're that gonna, on a Friday we're morning. Gonna, I mean, I'm going to probably go out on Thursday night, so it's going to be a bit... A bit... Disaster. Disastrous. So we're going to try and get that to you as soon as possible, but we're looking forward to it. Hopefully we You're can kickstart a new... You're editing that well, Let's discuss that after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Mate, do you want me to show you my... um? What your work schedule? I don't have a day off. I literally... Manchester's my only day off. Yeah, okay. You're doing it in the night. All right. I work to... to Bye-bye, guys.